Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you have an outline kind of a mind, we're going to look at three big points today. The root of worry, kind of a review of worry, and what's the remedy for worry? So the root of worry, at least I'm thinking, may just be that, um, you know, life's difficult. I mean, let's be honest. If you've lived long at all, uh, life throws you a lot of curveballs. And there's a lot of stuff in your life and in mine. It's important stuff. It, it's important people. There's things that are valuable to me and to you that, that we want to be safe. We want everything to be okay. And yet it just seems like life has a way of reaching its arm into places and putting those things sometimes that are the most close to us at risk. And I think part of the problem may be because you're just so talented. You're just so gifted. I mean, God, you're made in God's image as I am. He breathed his breath of life in us. We are creative, capable, strong, smart, resourceful people. Oh, yes, you are. You fix stuff all the time. You balance that checkbook. You knew how to get over there when that road was detoured. You got a GPS. You figure stuff out all the time. And yet the problem is we're also kind of jars of clay. <laughs> we kind of fall apart. We get sick. We get the flu. Um, we don't know everything. We can't think of everything. So we're kind of dust and divinity. We're empowered, and yet we're impaired. We're wise, but we're weak. And I think sometimes we just kind of naturally use our gifts and our good thoughts. They start to spill out over their banks. And we think we have to take care of almost everything. And we can't. And then we worry. We worry. Well, it's interesting to me that Jesus starts off this little passage about worry that seems to fit pretty well together. Talks about the birds and flowers and all that stuff. But I don't know if you noticed it, but the very first thing that he says in our passage is something that seems like it doesn't fit. It's almost a non sequitur. He goes... Nobody can serve two masters. You're going to serve God or you're going to serve money. In the King James, it really said mammon. And I think it would do well to stop for just a second because I don't know that money really quite carries the day. The, the idea of mammon might be a little better. And mammon's a word that we don't even know hardly what it means. And it was an Aramaic word whose root went, meant something firm. In other words, mammon was something that was trusted. So Jesus is saying, as we move along through life, you're going to have to choose. You're going to serve somebody. You're either going to serve the Lord, or you're going to serve something that you think is firm. Something that you trust. Money's easy. I mean, it's pretty liquid. It does a lot of things, so that's a pretty easy one. But for some people, you trust in your family. They're good, they're great, they're wonderful. They've always just been something I've been so proud of. I, or I trust in my job. Or, or for some of you, you've got a great education and you're like, I can always fall back on my diplomas. I had great grades. Or, or I, I can fall back on my looks. I've always been able to, you know, kind of get around. Or I'm such a, listen, I'm a networker. I've got a lot of friends. I know a lot of people. I know how to work things. Uh, or I'm, I'm an athlete. Or, 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 or fill in the blank. 
but there's something for you and for me that we have relied upon before that can become useful. And it's worked. I mean, in our defense, it does stuff. It does accomplish things. And so the problem starts to become, I try to use some of those things sometimes, and yet it doesn't always fix everything. And then I begin to worry. Worry is a sign, a signal, that something else other than God is God for you. My uh, wife, who I love, who's sweet, all the good things I'm supposed to say, she hates the way I drive a car. And it really, it, I hate that she hates the way I drive. And I think I'm a great driver. I'm a, I've, I've driven longer than she has. And I'm safe, the whole thing. But she thinks I'm, I go too close to other cars. She thinks that, I, that you should, if, the, if it's yellow two miles away, you should stop. She is Miss Safety. And I'm, I'm not Mr. Safety. I'm just Mr. Normal. And so, I know, I know, it's a whole thing. It could be a counseling session for me, but I'm here for you. So I just decided like maybe a year ago, you know what, honey? You drive. How about that? If you want to drive, you drive. And she's just happy as a lark. She just loves driving. And, you know, if I went around a turn at the same speed, I'm fine. She's holding on to that little handle there thinking, you know, we're on a bumper car ride. And, and I guess maybe, and I'm making fun of her and she's great, but I do it too. I mean, and you do too, because just about the time you and I get scared, oh, give me that steering wheel, you give it to me. I need to control it now. If I have a relationship in jeopardy, I need to start controlling this. If my job's not going right, I need to control it. If anything that's really value to me, that it's at risk, I'm being threatened, you and I know what we do. Give me the steering wheel. I'm going to start handling this. Oh, yes, I'll sing the hymn on Sunday morning. I'll sing my prayer. Of course I'm a Christian. Oh, but I want the steering wheel when it matters. And it's, it's a little way, quietly, tacitly, that we're saying, you know, God, when it really, really counts, I just don't know that I can trust you, and I worry. And the first commandment, God says, let's begin at the beginning. You are to have absolutely no other gods other than me. And as Calvin said, every one of us are idol-making factories. And a lot of times, I, don't, I would never say it in public, but I think I like being God sometimes in my own life. Oh God, I'm like, a big, I'm like a big house. You've got this room, Lord, absolutely, and I've got all kinds of hymnals in that room. Oh, and you've got this room over here. I've got commentaries, Christian books too. And you can have this room over here, and we have friends over here, and we've even prayed in that room, all that. But now this room, this room over here is for me. This is, where I, this is where I cope. <laughs> this is where I work it out. And some rooms are open to him and some aren't. And that's the way we kind of do. And God says, no, no, no. I'm supposed to have the master key to every one of your rooms. Well, if you look at this word worry, the Greek word, it's defined in a Greek lexicon as a feeling of apprehension or distress in view of possible danger or misfortune. Chuck Swindoll once said, worry is interest paid on trouble before it's due. Another writer said, worry is a thin stream of fear that trickling through the mind, and if encouraged, it cuts a channel into which all other thoughts flow. The real root of that little Greek word, worry, means to divide, 
Worry starts to divide you. It divides things. It, it starts to just make things go into a million different directions. It splits you. I read an interesting statistic from the Bureau of Standards in Washington, D.C. It was talking about fog. But it was amazing to me. They said a fog that could almost block out your vision, if it was seven blocks around and a hundred feet high, is produced by nothing more than a glass of water. But if you take that glass of water and you divide it into 60,000 million little teeny droplets, it can almost block your vision. So I ask you today, and you don't have to say it out loud, but now that we're kind of friends, what's in your glass of water? What is it that you're worried about? What is it that when you wake up, it doesn't take very long and it's on your mind? What is it that's that's very valuable, very important to you. And let's be honest, it's at risk. And it's a concern. And it's not, you're not crazy. Of course it should be. It could be a child or a job or your bank account or a relationship, a marriage. I mean, these are important things. And, and yet we're concerned. Well, a few things to understand about worry. Number one, worry only exists in the future. Real problems that you have to deal with always exist today. Worry is always something that is out in the future, that hasn't arrived yet. And God disapproves of our desire to live and work out problems in the future. James 4 says, tomorrow we'll go do this or go to that city or carry on a certain business. And he says, why, you don't even know what, what will happen tomorrow. We don't, we, don't, we don't have much ownership over tomorrow. That doesn't mean that we don't plan and we don't try to save and do practical things. But we can't live with our problems into tomorrow trying to work what that should be and hold those and carry them. So not only does worry exist in the future, but it also only exists in your head, in your imagination. Worry is always focusing on the potential, on the possible, on, 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 on something out there. It's not really right in front of us where we're trying to decide. Tim Keller said worry is the desire to control the uncontrollable. Jesus says you can't do that. Why? Why? Because, because our Lord said, it's too much. It's too much for you. Each day has enough trouble all on its own. You don't have the horsepower to carry today's troubles and project out into tomorrow's and the next day and the next day and run the flow charts like you do and like I do. Well, if this happens, then this could happen. But if that happens, well, that could either go this way or that way. And if it da 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 I'm a Presbyterian minister, but I also have a business in Knoxville, and uh, I actually volunteer at a church. So, you know, I'm living stuff, this stuff every day. Well, buddy, give me an example. I'm glad you asked. Here's what happened here recently. I have a wind and door company, and I'm not sure if you realize this, but windows are supposed to keep out the weather. I sold the biggest job we've sold in a long, long time, big 
really two big student housing projects. And we're high-fiving, and yes, that's great, and all the rest. The windows are leaking. The outside's coming in, and they've tested them, and I've got giant companies breathing down my neck. I mean, I won't even go into it. And we're talking about a whole bunch of windows. And I am, you know what I am? Worried. Because why? Because that's my business. That's how I have to pay my bills. Well, and you know what else could happen? These guys, are you kidding? They'd stomp me like a bug. They've got lawyers and this and that. Why, they could sue me. They could crush me. And then what do I do? Well, then I don't know. I mean, then I have to do this or I have to do that. Or, you know, then I start worrying about this. And then I worry about the people that are working with us. And I worry about our kids. And I'm trying to be blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I see myself at the soup kitchen. And I don't have a job. And I remember there was a day I had a business. Oh, here I go. And then I wake up and I think, wait a minute, hold on, wait a minute. Let's, and I'm not saying you can't be practical, but I'm thinking it could be the installer. You know it could be. He maybe didn't caulk it right. They didn't install it right. That could be our answer. Has anybody checked into that? Well, let's see about the, oh, me. well, what if it's caulked right? I don't know. What if he did it right? How are we going to check the, uh, 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 uh. And there you go. And it ain't just me, kids. It's you too. It may not be right now, but it will be soon enough. Something important all of a sudden you're having to work through and it's something that's going to happen in the future. I, th I think sometimes, and some of us are worse than this than others, we, and I'll tell you in a minute, we went to New York not too long ago and at Rockefeller Center they have a, a statue, a seven-ton statue of Atlas and he's holding the world with all his giant muscles. And I think there's people here, that's exactly how you're living right now. You're holding it all up on your shoulders. You think it's on you. You've got to fix the family, fix the this. You've got to handle it, and it's so heavy. It's so heavy to carry. And if it's not bad enough that it occupies your mind and you're in the future and through your imagination, the amazing thing, and this was the part, since we are close now, this is the part that was incredibly convicting to me, and I confess my sin. When I couldn't come up with a sermon, I realized why. Because it blocks the words of Jesus. If there's anything that's more scary about worry, it has a way of almost muffling God's voice into your life. You say, well, prove it. Okay. Matthew 13. You remember Jesus' parable about the seeds. The sower goes out and he spreads his seeds around. Well, verse 22 says, The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life choke it out and make it unfruitful. Jesus is telling us that a good seed could be sown into your life, 